Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's oh, bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. 
sometimes you don't know who to root for. And no, I'm not talking about the Super Bowl. I'm talking about our history story today. Buckle up for this one. It is going to be an awesome Monday. I'm going to attempt. See, here's the deal. I get fired up for Mondays because I have the best job in the world. I know I do. Like, I, you know I've had a thousand crappy jobs. And this job, I can't believe they pay me to come joke around with you all day. However, I am aware this is the post-Super Bowl Sunday Monday, which means almost undoubtedly you're probably not at your best right now. And there is nothing worse in this world than when you're not at your best to have to hear the, woohoo, let's do it, guys. Nope, nobody wants that. So I'll try to dial it down a notch, even though I get excited for Mondays. All right? We're going to talk about why censuring these GOP representatives and senators, the ones you hate, it's actually stupid. It's pointless. It makes me mad. Antifa and Black Lives Matter threatening to burn down another city. And finally, the GOP playing offense? What? No. All that and more, including our disastrous Supreme Court, coming up today on the Jesse Kelly Show. Also, I think we all know Michael Malice who comes in next hour is probably going to have some things to say on a day like today. But let's go back to the 1800s first. The 1800s in the United States of America. Now, post-World or post-World War, post-Civil War, the United States of America was going through some stuff. Remember Civil War was 1860s. Imagine trying to put the pieces back together when the country had just split in two and spent years shooting, stabbing, blowing each other up. And now, okay, the the North won. Technically, the country's back together again. But how? Uh, what do we? What do we do about this awkward silence? What do we do about the fact we were all just trying to kill each other? The economy in tatters. Think think what it would do to your economy. And think about this. Both sides were intentionally trying to ruin the other side's economy. The North did ruin the South because they they had better ships and all that. They they blockaded them. You've heard of Sherman's March to the Sea. To say the United States of America was, I mean, forget, setting all the other tension aside, to say the United States of America was economically in bad, bad shape post-Civil War, it would be a massive understatement. We were in bad shape. And people started to look west. When your economy goes down the drain, you start to look west. But we have to discuss for a moment The Western migration. And you know how big of a fan I am about Old West stuff. I love Indians. I don't apologize for it. I love Cowboys. I don't apologize for that. I love the Settlers. I just think that that entire thing is awesome. I think it's all really cool. But 
understand who was going west. And this is often the case when it comes to these things. One, rich people. Lots of times rich people were going west because rich people, well, they got rich for a reason most of the time. And as much as we like to make it about, oh, his dad probably, no, no, they're, they're probably better at business than you and me. Rich people see opportunities and they look out west and see nothing but undeveloped stuff I can buy and make a lot of money off of. So there were a lot of rich people going west. You had that. And you had a lot of poor people going west. You didn't have a ton of middle class people going west. You know, you owned a little candy shop in a town that was still doing okay. Bills are paid. Life's okay. You're not, you're not packing up your family and braving the dangers of going out west. You brave the dangers of going out west if you, A, have so much money you can afford to buy protection to get there and and keep it once you're there, or B, you don't have really any other options. But with the poor people came crime, too, more blue-collar crime. Don't get me wrong, the rich people commit crimes, too. They just It's, it's more white-collar stuff. But you're going to get a criminal element that comes along. I just wanted you to have some frame of reference for who is moving out west. And obviously, I'm not saying they were all criminals, but they were looking for something better. And people start to pour to the western part of the country. But we were still dealing with Indians, powerful Indian tribes. And America has always and, frankly, is still struggling with the Indian thing, and I find it to be so bizarre, mainly because I look for, I look at everything, as you know, try to look at everything through a historical lens, from a macro lens, and the truth of the matter is simply this, and you can say it shouldn't be this way or whatever, but the history of the world, as everybody knows who listens to this show, the history of the world is more technologically advanced societies taking over tribal peoples, period. That is how it goes. That is Caesar in Gaul. That is everybody in Africa. That's us in America. That's the Spanish and the Portuguese in South America. It happened in Mongolia. It happened in Russia. The the history of the world is that. It knows no race. It knows no religion the more technologically advanced society will come in and stomp on the less technologically advanced tribal peoples. However, I don't want you to think this white guilt we shouldn't be doing this thing is only reserved for the 2021 pillow-soft American society we have now. You need to understand, because we were a Christian-based nation, we had a softer heart towards things like that. Did it eventually go the way it was always going to go anyway? Yep. But we we act as if every single American was all, screw these dirty savages, let's murder them all today. But that's not the case at all. It was heavily debated throughout the United States of America what to do about the Indians. I want to move there, 
but they're there. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to kill them. I mean, if some of them die, it's okay. But can we just like move them or something? But no, no, no. Don't move them there. That area is that area is valuable. No, no, over there. Well, they can't. They can't live over there. Yeah, but they'll be fine. We'll figure it out. We struggled with it. We still struggle with it. But it was a huge struggle. The country was inevitably going to fill up out west. It just was. The, the, the die was cast for the American Indian tribes the second the first settlement nestled in here. It just was. It was inevitable after that. But we are not at a period in time where the Indian tribes are just strung out, weak, unable to defend themselves at all. By the 1870s, we're at a point in time where it is really, really dangerous out west. How dangerous? Well, I'll tell you in a second. And we'll talk about why censuring Liz Cheney's dumb. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Did I ever tell you guys I used to chew tobacco? Well, more specifically, I used to dip. You know, that gross tobacco you pinch between your fingers and put it in your lips. And you ready for this truth bomb? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And even when I wanted to quit, I didn't really want to quit. I didn't have anything to replace it with. If I even attempted to quit for a day, I would just start looking longingly at that can of tobacco again. That's why you have to find an alternative. You have to replace it with something, and it needs to be something healthy. Jake's Mint Chews is here for you. It is tobacco-free, nicotine-free, sugar-free, but it is the way to quit chewing tobacco. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 20% off. Jesse Kelly returns next. Finally, Republicans are playing offense. I, I, I almost can't believe my eyes here. <laughs> I'll talk about that in a minute. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I am going to finally get rolling on the whole locals thing this week because I need to get someplace where they can't kick me off. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. 1870s was a dangerous time to be a white settler out west. Why? Well, one, there were lots of them coming, which means there was lots of contact unwanted with the Indian tribes. Two, 
Arizona area, you had Apaches. Apaches were absolute beasts. One of my favorite Indian tribes in the world. Apaches were now at the point where they had arms. This is why this was so dangerous. They had arms and they knew we are about to get run off our land forever. They had the arms and now they had the motivation to fight. And it was getting really, really bad. And look, the Apaches, part of the reason they were so tough is they'd been fighting forever. It was simply their way of life to fight. They were huge into the slave trade. They would take slaves down to Mexico and sell them. And the Mexicans were doing the same thing. And the Apaches were always raiding and fighting the Mexicans. Always. Remember Geronimo, who we're actually not going to talk about him today, but Geronimo lived his whole life hating the Mexicans because they had stormed into some village of his, killed his mother, his wife, and his three sons. And and one of the all-time great salty lines, they asked Geronimo on his deathbed if he had any regrets, and he says, yeah, I wish I'd killed more Mexicans. (laughs) But that gives you some idea of the Apache people. He was actually a Chiricahua Apache. These people were ferocious, and these people were fantastic at disappearing into the mountains into the wilderness. They were famous for this. And no, it's not like in the stupid movies where they just vanish into the mist after after waving around a peace pipe. You know, they were just outstanding about the terrain. They would bury themselves in the sand and could do so really quickly. They knew how to survive in the wilderness. They were hard to get a hold of. So you're having this this period of time where the settlers are 100% encroaching even if they don't know they're encroaching. And what I mean by that is the Apache, like uh, like most of the Indian tribes in America, would bounce around. No, it's not, again, like this white guilt history they teach where they didn't even understand the concept of owning land. Oh, shut up. Yes, they did. They viewed certain hunting grounds as being theirs during certain seasons. So if you're a white settler or settlers, you could move in an area and there's no Indians here. And I think I'll set up shop and the Indians will show up in a couple months looking to hunt there and be all, what are you doing here? And now you've got a problem. You already naturally distrust Indians if you're a white person because you can imagine the stories that are being told. And look, lots of those stories are true. The Apache were, as much as I love them, were horrible torturers, famous for it. I'm going to skip you. I'm going to I'm going to skip out on the details of Apache torture today, but it was really bad. They they had it down to a science. It was it was often, you know, that whole save the last bullet for yourself. That was the case for troopers a lot when they were fighting the Apache. You, you did not let the Apache take you alive. You would not have enjoyed that. You were going to die slow. So there was obviously some truth there. But the Apache had a great point, too. Um, this has always been ours. Why are you here? And then the settlers would abuse the Apache. There was plenty of prejudice going around both ways. Again, that's the nature of man. Both ways, there was plenty of it. These Indians are dirty, less than human. We should just kill them all. The tension was so bad that, well, and maybe this should just be our lesson for the day, except I'm not done. 
Politicians, you know who they listen to? The people who elect them. They actually listen to their voters. You and I don't like to think about this because we like to think everything is controlled. But this whole status of America right now, it's our fault. Why don't they do blank? Because they don't think you'll vote them out if they don't. Again, don't tell me how mad you are. Show me. Well, these white settlers that had moved west, they wanted the Indian problem taken care of now. And they wanted it taken care of violently. And so Uncle Sam put in a phone call to one of the absolute legends in the Old West, gets no credit for it whatsoever. They make a phone call to Crook. Crook was the foremost, in my opinion, this is totally an opinion. Someone's going to email and tell me why I'm wrong. But in my opinion, well, which is fine, by the way. I love your correction email. So I got one from the other day. If, if, if you hear me it, it disagree with me on something, it's totally fine. We could argue. I disagree with this email this guy said in to correct me. But we're going to argue about it, and he's not even here. It's fine. But anyway, I think Crook is the best Indian fighter in American history. And they bring him in from San Francisco down to Arizona. Crook did not want to go to Arizona. Why? Well, we've talked about this a thousand times on the show, too. You and I are spoiled. Whether you are in Boston, Massachusetts, Orlando, Albuquerque, Missoula, Montana, wherever you are at this exact moment, you are probably existing in about 72, 73 degrees right now because you're probably inside. Give or take a few degrees. If you're a woman, you're probably existing at 80. If you're a dude, you're probably at 68. You know what I'm talking about. That was not the case back then. Pre-electricity, pre-air conditioning, Arizona was not thought of as a place you wanted to go. I lived there for eight years. It is dry, miserably hot desert. Again, totally livable now. Not so much so before air conditioning. Cactus, rattlesnakes, and the Apache. And they knew their way around it, and it was home for them. So Crook didn't want to go. But he goes, and he, what he finds there, and he's, he's tasked with taking care of the Apache problem. And the Apache are a big problem. And the first thing Crook does when he gets there is obviously, as any good commander, he assesses the troops he has, and he's horrified by what he finds. They'd never train. They don't have the ammunition to train with their marksmanship. They're a bunch of drunks. They're bored to tears. They abuse the people around them. Crook gets in, immediately cracks the whip, Training, tactical training, marksmanship, and troops take to that, you know. I mean, they complain. We always complained when it was time to go do this or we got a new platoon sergeant. I remember we got our new platoon sergeant one time. His name was Parsons. And this black, he was a black dude, and his arms were like the size of your thighs. He was just a gigantic, scary human being. And he stomps things. He's fresh off the drill field. This huge, frightening black guy. And he's screaming at everybody and telling everybody they have to fix this and fix that. And we hated him for about two days. I love that guy. And I'll love him till the day I die. 
We just ended up getting along just fine. He, he and I saw eye to eye on things. You take to that eventually. They started to take to Crook. And then Crook knew he had to get something else squared away before we started shooting Apaches. We'll get to that in just a moment. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And right now we're talking about, are we talking about a virus? A virus, that's what we talked about, SARS, MERS, BIRD, now Corona. And with that said is, if you look at the recovery numbers on what we're talking about, I don't know what it is, but I guess the flu went on vacation on this year. Heart attacks went on vacation. vacation Everything went on vacation this year when it came to, I'm talking about, you you know, what we're going through right now. And let's just call a spade a spade. And the reason I can have this conversation is because my family comes from communism. They fled communism. They had everything taken away from them. Everybody got murdered, everybody got killed. And that's the reason me, being a first-generation Cuban-American, or maybe us, being first-generation Cuban-Americans, I look at freedom and I appreciate that I appreciate opportunity, I appreciate anything that you give me. All I need is a little slip, partner, and I got you. That comes from the fact that when a Castro took over everything, and I'm looking at what's going on right now, the only person here that's hot it's Castro. He's going, y'all did it with a virus? Y'all took over the world with a virus? Y'all gotta be kidding me. He had missiles pointed to the United States of America during the Russian Missile Crisis. Mmm. Mm-mm. Did you ever think you'd hear Pitbull and say, man, that guy should be leading something? When are we gonna start listening? How many emails do I have to read you from people who survived communism communism, or parents have survived communism. They're screaming, uh-oh, be careful. I recognize all this. Why aren't we listening? Pitbulls out there saying it. Uh, what? This is what we left. All right, we'll get back to that in a minute. Don't get me distracted. Don't get me distracted, Chris. But Crook gets there, gets to Arizona, He's got to take care of a big Apache problem. And once he gets the troops whipped into shape, he does something else. 
What do amateurs study and what do professionals study, everybody? The great Marine Corps General Barrows, quote, Amateurs study tactics, professionals study logistics. When the Army would take off after the Apache. The Apache are not stupid. They're not going to take on a large conventional Army force. They would wait and do more guerrilla warfare and ambushes and such. And so they would take off and they would hide. And they would hide up in these mountain ranges. And they would wait you out. And you can't find them. They just keep moving. It's a nightmare. And the guys, when they would take off on these long missions, would run out of water. They'd run out of food. Crook gets there and says, you guys need a lot more mules. And you have to train them a lot better. Mules are fascinating creatures because I don't want you to bury your head into your steering wheel from boredom. I'm just going to say this. They're a sure-footed animal that can carry boatloads of weight. And Crook tells his guys, we are going to train our mules and train ourselves to carry twice as much weight as the Army says they should carry. So when we are out, we are going to have more food and more water than the Apaches were hunting down. They start off. And they start seeing some success, but they're struggling really still to get a hold of the Apaches. They would do things like siege off a mountain pass. The Indians would take off into the mountains. Crook would find every way out of it, and he would try to starve out the Indians. And you should know this about Crook. I don't want to go into it too much today just for time reasons. Crook was not an Indian hater. Most of the West was. Crook Crook was an Indian admirer big time. And routinely, routinely fought for better treatment for them, better conditions for them. He was a realist. He would get with the tribes who who would talk to him and say, look, your way of life is over. That is inevitable now, which I appreciate. I appreciate brutal honesty from people. And he wasn't being mean about it. He said the white people were coming. They're going to fill up this land. You have to stop raiding them or it's going to make everything worse. They're coming. I'm going to try to get as much as I can for you as humanly possible. He wanted them to have reservations on their traditional lands so they could keep up as much of their way of life as they could. But he told them all it's going to stop. However, when it came to fighting the Apache, Crook also admired them too, but he knew these people are going to have to be dealt with extremely harshly or they're never going to surrender. So he would siege off a mountain pass, and there'd be women and children coming down starving to death. And he would take them in. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't out there killing women and kids. But it was a brutal, brutal war. And he couldn't seem to finish them off until he got his hands on some Apache himself. And I don't mean grab some prisoners. He got Apache to come start working for him to help hunt down other Apache. Chris is raising his hands. Why? We have a more traditional way of thinking when it comes to how governments work, how societies work. It's funny. Chris raises his hands. Why? The the white people in America were struggling back then with this mightily too. They did not understand The tribes oftentimes amongst the same people hated each other. 
There wasn't an Apache chief. There were Apache chiefs in every single tribe. And sometimes they tried to kill each other all the time. And sometimes, you know, just like the Americans were struggling with what to do with the Indians. Do we kill them all? Do we leave them alone? Do we? The Indians were always squabbling, debating, fighting over what to do with the white settlers. Should we kill them all or try to? Should we just surrender because it looks like this is inevitable? This was a constant debate on both sides. It was not hard to find Apache who hated other Apache. And there was something else going on. Crook was having a hard time dealing with what was called the ring. It was a corrupt group of, of Arizona businessmen. Stop me if any of this sounds familiar at all. A corrupt group of businessmen who made a fortune selling the army the things the army needed to continue the Indian wars. And these corrupt businessmen didn't want the Indian wars to end. That sound familiar at all? Anyway, back to the end of our story here. Crook hires these Apache scouts. And they work with him to fight and hunt down all the other Apaches. They starved them out. Apache, as tough as they were, were not superhuman. They couldn't light fires. They couldn't cook food. The Apache, who were now hunting on behalf of the U.S. Army, they knew for a fact where the other Apache would go, how they operated, what they were looking for. And Crook uses Apache scouts to destroy their own people And this is the part of the story that has always gotten me when it comes to the Indian Wars. And if the Indian Wars interest you at all, I could do 10 hours on them. Go look them up. They're fascinating, fascinating part of American history. And be careful what you read. You're going to have so much white guilt crap out there. Just, Just assess the story for what it is. Anyway, I cannot wrap my mind around, even though there were, there were different tribes, like I just talked about, and they were fighting and they were debating and things like that. I've never been able to got over, even as a little kid, I've never been able to get over being betrayed by your own people to help wipe out your own people. I can't wrap my mind around it until I take a step back and I look at what's happening today and I look at what's happening with the right and I see the things these politicians and pundits are saying right now and it occurs to me, This knifing your own team in the back for nothing is not the exception. It's the rule. I'll tell you what I mean in just a second. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. 
Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, I read all your emails, all of them. I'm not going to respond. I get way too many of them. I read them all. Your love, your hate, your criticisms, your corrections even. I'll get to this one in just a second. But it always bummed me out about that. The Apache scouts hunting down other Apaches. It just, it always got to me. I couldn't wrap my mind around it, but that's always the way it goes, isn't it? It's the people on your own side knifing you in the back who doom you. I was thinking about this over the weekend. You know how frustrated I get. I'm just being straight up with you. You know how frustrated I get with the politicians and pundits on our side always being late to getting to the right part of the uh, the narrative always last always licking their fingers sticking it in the air always letting the system dictate what the narrative will be and then trying to work within the rules the system just laid out instead of challenging it right off the bat and you've look this is not news to you you've heard me scream about this a thousand times on the air but Thinking about it this weekend, I was talking to a buddy about it, and he said, are you 100% sure it's all weakness and cowardice? And I said, oh, yeah, of course it's weakness and cowardice. And he said, are you 100% sure they're not working for the other team? That was quite a gut punch for me, I'll be honest with you. That was quite a gut punch for me, but I think, I think we also have to deal with the world as it is, right? We're not, we're not crazy communists. We don't deal in this world of make-believe and then try to form everything to it. Let's deal with the world as it is. The truth is simply this. We on the right, we have some traitors in our midst. We do. We have some traitors in our midst. We have people who are working against us. And we like to pretend they're not because they'll give us one little win here or one little win there. And we're like, woohoo. That's standard operating procedure for any double agent. And no, I don't think there's, I'm not saying they're secretly on the Democratic Party's payroll. I'm not going conspiracy theorists here. I just think there are a lot of people on our side, politicians and pundits included, they really. I think we probably should lose 
as long as we can lose nicely and politely, they don't think it's the end of the world. People don't want to get their hands dirty. People want to feel like they're above it all. This is just human nature. I'm above all that. I feel like we have too many people on our side kneecapping us when we're trying to get wins and that that's really what kills us. That's what I feel like all the time. And we let them get away with it. We do. You and I, my, myself included, we let them get away with this because we don't ever actually try to make them pay. We don't. Remember I was talking in my history story about the governors wanting the Indians all eradicated, the politicians wanting the Indians eradicated because that's what the voters demanded. We do things with our GOP politicians that don't make any sense and don't do any good. And then when it comes time to actually do some good, we do nothing. Liz Cheney censured by the Wyoming GOP for her vote. Ben Sass, he's supposedly going to vote for impeachment. I don't know that or not, but he's getting censured censured by the Nebraska GOP for his upcoming vote. Ben Sass was just reelected in 2020. Ben Sass was just reelected. If you're mad, if I'm mad at these people, Liz Cheney, Ben Sass, primary them. Show me how mad you are. I mean, yeah, you want to censure Ben Sass? Have at it. I think that's a stupid waste of time. Where was all that motivation when it came primary time in Nebraska? Did everybody Was everyone too busy? Because we all do that thing, right? I'm guilty too. I'm too busy to do whatever, fill in the blank, right thing I know I should be doing. I'm too busy. I'm just too busy. Where was that motivation when it came time to run a primary against Ben Sass? It was nowhere. And don't do this. Well, the impeachment came after Ben Sass has been a Trump hater, a MAGA movement hater for five years now. Very, very, very vocal about it. It's not as if we're just now finding out who Ben Sass is or who Liz Cheney is. We knew who these people were. Where are the primaries? The call is coming from inside the house, and we don't seem to want to do anything about it, and it drives me absolutely nuts. All right. A correction email. Hang on. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. 
you need to trust Northwest retention systems because it's all custom made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.